Hello, hello, hello. We're back. We're back for another episode, second episode in the Big Dash Knows the podcast. And um, today's episode should be a little, a little interesting because I'm kind of battling myself, my thought process, the way I, I normally think of, think about things, and I'm, I'm kind of switching it up a little bit because there's a, a nice debate. Nothing that's hostile at all. <laughs> Nothing that's hostile at all. But all in all, it's still a debate. And when I think about it, I go back and forth. But I always end up leaning towards one side. Actually doing a little bit more than leaning towards uh, one side. And, and, and let's just get right into it. So the big question is, can you take a sinner at pick 25 yeah that's that's the question and uh can you or will you or are you willing to take a center at pick 25 now let me put a little context into this when i say yes i'm willing to draft a center at 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 25 i'm saying that at that time some of the top cornerbacks are not there. You know, um, the edge rushers are not there. And um, you're sitting there, and, and, the, and the people that are left that are still considered first-rounders, again, this is pick 25, you know, not too far out of the second round. So outside of a few people, I am more than willing to draft a center at 25 and if you want to put a name to the position it's going to be John Michael Schmitz center out of Minnesota and I know a lot of people are like what you cannot take a center that high but hear me out just a little bit and again I've battled myself now in a perfect world in a perfect world I would take Deontay Banks if he falls to us the cornerback out of Maryland and in a perfect world where I don't think I don't think that John Michael Schmitz is going to be there at 57. But I also, in, a, in the real world, don't believe that Luke Whipler, or Wipler, Whipler, Wipler, whatever you want to, he won't be there either, the center out of Ohio State at 57. But in a perfect world, I can see Deontay Banks, and I can see Luke Wipler, Whipler, being, you know, the first two picks of the draft. And for me, that would be fantastic if, if something like that happens. But we already know, especially with the Giants, the way we've been getting jumped for picks, especially the last few years, you know, whether it's Rashawn Slater, Micah Parsons, which actually we traded out of that spot and Dallas got Micah Parsons. Um, and then, you know, they traded with Philadelphia in order to get in order for Philadelphia to get Devontae Smith. You know, it just it's happened a lot. I remember what was it, Leonard Floyd, and we ended up Eli with Eli Apple that year too. We've been getting jumped for players for a long time, and for me, I'm looking at the New York Giants, and I remember week after week complaining about one particular person, almost week after week, almost every week, and that was John Feliciano, poor center play heard his name out of a lot of mouths 
complaining, complaining, complaining about him missing assignments, him getting penalties, him getting beat by defensive tackles, not picking up the blitz, not picking up the stunt, you know, getting blown up, all this stuff. We 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 talked about it. Giants fans, we have talked about this all well all season long. We need to improve the offensive line. We need to improve the center spot. We got two booking tackles, Andrew Thomas. Evan Neal is coming along. Uh, hopefully, if he does come along, you know, we've been saying this stuff over and over and over again. And then now we're sitting with the draft a month away, a little bit over a month away. And now it's like you have a chance. You have a chance to fix to fix your offensive line. Now, I understand that it's not the sexiest of picks, a center. But as far as need, center is absolutely a top need for the New York Giants. Now, there's a lot of holes to fill with this New York Giants team. And then a lot of people will tell you, oh, you can get a center in the later rounds. But I really need people to think about it. And they, yeah, it's absolutely true. You could get a center in the later rounds. But here's the thing. You know, we have pick 25, 57, 89, and possibly 128. And then after 128, I think all the centers are gone. All the all the plug and not even plug and play, all the centers that can possibly be starters are probably going by pick 128. Now, let's talk about these centers just a little bit, right? So, obviously, you know, the consensus says that John Michael Schmitz is, you know, center number one. After that, you have Luke uh, Luke Whippler at number two. Then you have Tipman at three, um, Oluwatimi at four, um, Strom- with Stromberg at five, and a guy like Juice Scruggs and Alex Forsyth and, and um, people like that go a little bit further down on the list. So when you're really thinking about it, and when you really think about it, especially for me as a New York Giants fan and, and, and a loyal complainer about how bad the offensive line has been, if that cornerback is not there, if that uh, top wide receiver does not fall to 25, if that top edge does not fall to 25, and for some people, those guys can still be there, but the value for center to some people is a lot higher than others. But I just think about, again, what it means to fix this offensive line. And for Joe Shane, you know, committing himself as the GM to Daniel Jones, connecting himself to the hip of Daniel Jones, you would want or hope that he would do everything, everything in his power to make sure that Daniel Jones is successful. Is successful. Now, I know a lot of people will say, oh, that's not enough. You know, this like I said before, the team has so many holes. There's that's not that's not enough value at 25. And I can see that point. And for the longest time, I believe that same thing as well. But then again, I'm looking at pick 25. It's not pick 15. It's not pick 10. It's not pick five. It's pick 25. And when you look at the blue chip, the blue chippers in this draft, you know, it's, it's not even a full first round full of blue chippers. Unlike unlike um, unlike other drafts previously where you had 
first round talent in like the second round, this is not as much. You know, it's it's just a bunch of solid players. Um, all the real stars of this draft, you know, barring anything crazy happening, are probably gone by like pick eleven, the bona fide ones. Um, now some of these quarterbacks are not bona fide, but quarterbacks are quarterback, and if it's positional value, they're gonna push some guys back. You might see Quentin Johnson fall. You know, he's considered the top wide receiver in the draft. You might see Jalen Carter fall. And that could be more of the off the field issues that happened. But there's there's guys that might fall. The edge from the edge from Clemson, Murphy. You know, there's guys that might fall there. Kalijah Kansi, you know, Jordan Addison, uh Jackson Smith and Jigba. But to fall out of the top ten and to, to fall out of the top fifteen, that's one thing. But to fall out of the top twenty, now we're just looking at hope for the most part. We're looking we're looking at hope. We're looking at hope and we're and we're and we're putting our hands together and we're praying that one of these guys actually do not get picked at twenty five. And I'm talking about the top corners, you know, the four top corners, cornerbacks, um, you know, wide the, the top three wide receivers, or, you know, Nolan Smith, because that's the only guy that I think at edge rusher that that drops to twenty five, that you pretty much pick pick him over anybody else, um, or any other edge rusher. So um, again, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about again, I can't stop thinking about the one thing that a lot of people have complained about the most, and that's the offensive line. And you have a chance because I do believe and some people have for John Michael Schmidt. Some people have the range of him getting picked. There's such a wide range too, um, as early as like 18 and as far back as the, the low 40s. That's a wide range for a particular person or a particular player. Now, here's my thing, because, you know, if you look at history, once a position has t- been taken off of the board, in some cases, it tends to be a run on that position because it's slim and all the needy teams are looking for that positional value or that position of need. And um, I think that depending on where, depending on where John Michael Schmitz lands, if he lands at 25, perfect. But if, if he lands at anywhere, you know, before 25, I bet you that we'll probably see two centers, two centers out of that first round. That's that's a realistic thing that could happen because the value on Luke Whip, Whipler is very high as well. And in some cases, they have Luke Whipler over John Michael Schmitz. Now, I don't. I think both have very good v- value. Both of them are plug-and-play um, centers. I do value um, John Michael Schmitz a little bit more because of his flawless technique five years playing well not sorry not five years playing but all those years playing just one position and that's center he's been a center all his life and you take that stuff into consideration when you're when you're so close to picking between you know two different players um and then after that again you have tipman now tipman is a six foot six center the first thing i think about with a six foot six center is leverage can he get leverage on every play? It's a tall guy to try to get down and get leverage, especially against these defensive tackles. 
Now, I don't worry about Tipman, you know, getting to the next level to the linebacker because that's but I think about the initial push from that defensive tackle or that nose guard that he might have to face depending on who, you know, who he's playing for and who they're going against. Now, a little bit after Tipman, you have Oluwatimi out of Michigan, and I'm high on Oluwatimi. But again, I look at our picks, 25, 57, 89, 128. Even if you do not take John Michael Schmitz at 25 um, and you miss out on Luke Whippler at 57, now you're at pick 89. And when I think about pick 89, I think about one of the deepest positions in this draft, and that's the wide receivers and how much value is there for the wide receivers between round two, three, and four. And then you have a drop off on the wide receivers after that as well. So do I go ahead and pick my center early or reach a little bit early when it's not that much of a reach? Or do I, do I go ahead and, and reach on the center at pick 89 if I'm trying to get Olobatimi or pick 128, which I don't think Olobatimi would be there, but then I'm reaching for Stromberg. And then those quality picks at wide receiver are now gone because my next option after that is pick 160. And at that point, you might get one of those wide receivers that are later in, but still good, a wide receiver three type. You can still get one of those guys later, but it's not going to be a pick from that same crop in that second, third, or fourth round. So for me, just for me, and I know some other people might agree, I know I've been in some Twitter spaces. For me, again, if that cornerback is not there, one of those top fours, Nolan Smith or one of those top receivers does not fall. I'm absolutely okay and actually happy if we were to draft John Michael Schmitz at 25. At 25. I'm 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 all here for it. I'm all here for it. I will listen to the arguments. So in most cases I might agree with your argument, but deep down in my soul, I think that John Michael Schmitz would be a center for the New York Giants. For 10, 12 years. Years. And when you um, you couple that with Andrew Thomas. If Evan Neal turns out to be what we think he can be. Hope he can be. You now have bookend tackles. And a center. For years to come. And I know that you don't need all. All pro. You don't need all pro players across the whole entire line. But you do need a good solid tackle on the blind side of your quarterback. You need a solid center, you know, to keep that pocket clean for your quarterback. One one thing a quarterback hates is, is pressure up the middle. There's no such thing as a pocket when there's pressure up the middle. That's when you that's when your quarterback's running for his life. He needs to pick a side, right or left. Cuts his field back in half, or you know, cuts his targets in half, depending on the on the concept. And now you're stuck. I'd rather have that solid anchor at center than a possible additional luxury luxury um, at a position, not necessarily that's full, but at a position that, you know, the need is not as high. It's not as high. Now, let's discuss this uh, best player available and, and why it's so important. And then how come I think that the Giants can't even consider it to a certain extent. When you're picking best player available, to me, to me, you're saying that, you know, my team is pretty much ready to go. 
And we're just going to pick the best player available. And where they fit, they fit. Because we, we're already a good team. And we're just adding solid players into the mix. And that's fine and dandy. That's that's where you hope to be. Um, that's where I want this franchise to be, where they can just go into the, the draft, into the offseason, and say, yeah, you know what? We're just going to pick the best player available. Because right now, down the line, our roster is pretty set. Not a lot of holes here. So we have a chance to pick that blue chipper or to pick that best player available. But when I look at the Giants, and I look at all the holes that the Giants have. The center position is right up there. It's right up there with the cornerback. It's right up there with a, with a wide receiver one. It's right up there with another safety. It's right up there with another inside linebacker. And, and for the most, I, it, it trumps a lot of these positions. Now, that's the best play available. But then also... Positional value is the main argument that everybody has. Positional value, and the center is just not uh, is not valued as much as you know fill in the blank there. Kind of like how running backs aren't valued the same, but they're also very very important to your game plan. Right, like running backs aren't valued, but in order to win games, you got to be able to run the ball and stop the run. Right, right. Successful teams can do that. I mean, outside of Kansas City, where you have a monster at your quarterback. Um, even the, even they needed some success running the ball. Pacheco played a big role in that Super Bowl. You got to be able to run the ball. We have one of the best backs in in football, in Saquon Barkley. And there were some games last year where he he couldn't even get started because the line could not hold up. So it's not just about. Daniel Jones having time in the pocket to find open receivers. It's not just about receivers being able to get separation early. You know, it's not just about that. It's about opening up those lanes for Saquon Barkley because everybody, well, I can't say everybody, but a lot of people wanted Saquon Barkley back. They saw what he did this season. He was asking for, he's still asking for a lot of money. We re-signed Daniel Jones and people are saying, hey, you know, how are you going to get rid of, you know, Daniel Jones's most important weapon in Saquon Barkley? And here's the thing. You're absolutely right. But these guys, the wide receivers, the running backs, they don't mean a thing if you can't protect your quarterback. They don't mean a thing if you can't run the ball consistently. And that's just something, that's just something that the Giants had problems with this year. I think about that Carolina game early, how, how, how the Carolina defense of line was playing the gaps, shutting everything down. We had to make some second-half adjustments, and a lot of that game was won on Daniel Jones scrambling a bit. You know, it's real. When you, when you think about um, a couple of different games, man, where, where they were slowing down Saquon Barkley. I don't have the stats in front of me, but there were a lot of games where Saquon Barkley was slowed down. And if you did have one of these dominant offensive lines, it doesn't matter what that defense does. You have a dominant offensive line, you're going to move the ball. If it's third and two, you don't you know pretty much that you're going to get those two yards. That's the kind of you know domination I need from this offensive line. That's the kind of offensive line we've been waiting for for so long. Since Eli Manning was here, we've been begging begging for an offensive line to be fixed 
Dave Gettleman gets hired. He's talking about hog mollies and everybody he brought in here for the most part outside of outside of Andrew Thomas was almost a bust. When you think about it, Jerry Reese um, prior to that, all those all those guys couldn't get it together, couldn't put everything together. Now, we had some solid picks. Justin Pugh was good. He was solid. Couldn't get it done. Weston Richburg was good, solid. You know, couldn't get anything done. Eric Flowers was awful at tackle. He went somewhere else. They moved him in as guard, and he had a pretty good career after that. Played in Washington, played in Miami. Was a pretty good guard. And now we're sitting here in 2023 with a chance to fix this offensive line. And we're going back and forth with each other just thinking about, you know what? And at the end of the day, who knows what Joe Shane is going to do? Who knows how he, you know, how he sees this positional value? He could see it absolutely different from everybody else. But to me, as a fan for so long, you know, I'm 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 thinking about this offensive line and what it would mean if you were to solidify it. Think about the trenches. Think about the other teams in your division. Think about the Philadelphia Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys, the Washington Redskins, those defensive fronts. Think about those games last year and what we had to deal with. Not being able to do much against, well, not being able to do anything at all against Philadelphia. And not being able to do much in Dallas. Washington Commanders, that's one thing, but they have a, a, a very good front. We, You know, you can't argue that their front is, their front is pretty good. But at the end of the day, I'm still thinking about if we want to compete in this division, if we want to give Saquon Barkley a chance, Daniel Jones a chance, these wide receivers, which, you know, are not the greatest, are not the greatest. That's not a knock. They're not the greatest. Let's be honest. They're not the greatest. If we're going to give these guys a chance to go out there and fight in these games, this offensive line has to be addressed. Now, I know there's. I know there's, you know, people saying, okay, we could pick up a center and free agency. And there are a couple of free free agents out there at center. You know, there is a, a, a Ben Jones out there. Connor McGovern's out there. You know, there's a couple other guys out there as well. Names are, are escaping me right now. Yes, you can pick you can pick one of these guys up, make it make it a, a, a bridge center or a fill in the gap type of center. But why? But why do that? When you're just going to have to fix it again or address it again in a couple of years. You have a chance to pick the center that's going to be your center for 10 years. Just think about yourself 10 years from now. And you're not fussing about the New York Giants offensive line. You could be fussing about a lot of things. The quarterback, how we're going to replace Saquon Barkley. But you're but you won't be you won't be upset are talking about all oh, my offensive line is trash. We need to, you know, you won't be talking about it. Just 10 years of that, 10 years of not having to worry about your offensive line. And, you know, hopefully we have good drafting, good free agency, healthy cap, and we're able to just to rotate these players in and out as, as we see fit, resign the players that we need to resign. But again, just building this farm the right way. I'm not against signing a free agent center i'm just saying why put a band-aid on it when you can fix the entire problem for years to come 
And I'm going to wrap it up there, man. This is just another episode of the Big Dash Knows, the podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening in. If you're listening on YouTube, please like, comment, and subscribe. Share this. If you're listening on, you know, those pod, your favorite podcast platform, go ahead and give me a thumbs up. Give me a like and share it. Um, however they rate those things, I still haven't figured it all out yet. But again, I just want to thank you guys for vibing with me. Please like, comment, and subscribe. And from one Giants fan to another, this is Big Dash Knows, Big Blue Nation. Let's go.